You are listening to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. This is episode number 81. This is too hard. I can't do it. Wrong. You can. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, everybody. How are you doing out there? I hope you're doing so great. So, this podcast entitled, This is Too Hard, I Can't, Wrong, You Can, I want to kind of tell you where it all spawned from. I want to tell you the context so you can further appreciate what I have to say. And in this podcast, gosh, we're going to get down to business. (laughs) You know, you're going to see the difference between a coach and a therapist today. You're definitely going to see more of the coach side Sometimes in life, and I actually think a lot of therapists would agree, all the thought work, the cognitive behavioral therapy, the feelings, the sorting through the feelings, all those things, they're not working. And it's time to get a little bit tough. So if you're at that point where you're like, I want to see something more practical, I want to do something about it now, (laughs) listen in because I've definitely got some interesting things to say today, and I'm really excited about it. So where this came about, I have been scrolling. Well, I don't do it anymore, so I've given that up. But a few weeks ago, scrolling through Facebook, right? And what are you seeing when you're scrolling and scrolling? Because we're still in quarantine over here. It's it's starting to lighten up a little bit in Arizona, but we have been really stuck inside our houses. I know there's some tough stuff going on, and we aren't back at school yet. Only private charter schools or whoever, just select few, are going back. Parents are getting mad. Parents are, we're starting the school. It's hard. It's hard for the teachers, this online stuff. The kids have to sit there. Trust me. I know. I have five kids. I have a little baby running around who's screaming. And so it's just kind of extra tough. And I understand that many times we post on social media to connect, to realize we're not alone, and it can reassure you. And I know that a lot is that. I'm really not talking about that. What I'm talking about, what I found was so much complaining, just too much. And I started in too, just mentally, I was just complaining. And I got into this loop where it kind of became a habit. And I had to take a big hard look at myself and realize how much complaining I really was doing. Now, you guys need to know, my husband never says anything to me about my behavior. He's like the most encouraging, positive, uplifting person. But one day he said, well, what else are you going to find to complain about? Ooh, and that struck me. It actually is what I needed to get me out of my pattern. And I just stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have been complaining. I've been complaining about every dang thing. And guess where it has gotten me? Nowhere. It actually got me into the spinning loop of negativity, thinking that I had it hard, thinking that I had this or that. So if you are anywhere near that, this is this is the podcast for you. And for me, I needed 
to toughen up. All right. And that might be the wrong word. Toughen. Because it's not about being tough or it's not about being weak or or whatever. But I needed to rise above it. And it was funny when I was thinking about all this complaining that I was doing and that I was seeing, I looked up a few articles and I found some interesting things about complaining. And I thought, man, maybe I need to make a complaining podcast. But one thing I found is actually inhibits your health. And I started feeling that. It, it's all this extra cortisol that's released by the frequent complaining. It can impair your immune system and make you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. And in the articles that I was just kind of scanning through, it talked about how it is a habitual, almost this addictive pattern that our brains start to loop. So that was real. That wasn't something that I made up. I was like, it validated my thinking of it because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like it almost has control of me. So I hit a threshold. I had a threshold of complaining. A lot of times with addictive patterns, people will hit a threshold. Like if they're smokers, they're just all of a sudden, I'm tired of this. Or maybe they're overeating and it's just gotten to this terrible point where it's just really affecting them. And they finally notice and they're just like, I'm sick of this crap. I've got to do something about it. So all these feelings and thoughts that were telling me this is too hard and crap, Come on. So it's time to rise above. So I wanted to look at it as me managing it from a space that was above and that all the chaos was kind of down here and that I could make sense of it and control it. Does that make sense? And I know this is definitely not the toughest thing that I've had to deal with in my life. It just spurred this conversation within me that how can I rise above this? What can you do when you feel like quitting? What can you do when you feel like something is too hard? I hear that a lot with my single moms when they're like, I can't do all of this. I just can't. And of course, I'm there to say, you actually can and you will, right? So what I do when I come to a point of questioning what's going on, what can I do about the situation? I look at other people who have achieved it, who are the experts. So who do I know that's been through the toughest of the toughest? And what can I learn from them? I immediately thought about the book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. So Viktor Frankl, was a psychologist or psychiatrist don't quote me on that but he spent time in Auschwitz you know and this is this is the meaning of the toughest time anyone would have to go through um, being in a concentration camp so what did he find out in man's search for meaning so he found out a lot of things but I just want to really summarize, I really recommend you guys reading this book. It is amazing. It gives you a whole different perspective. But he said that he finds or found meaning in three 
ways. He says that man finds meaning in life through three ways. One, work. Two, love. And three, suffering. He quotes, if there is meaning in life at all, then there must be a meaning in suffering. Suffering is an eradicable part of life, even as fate and death. Without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. Whoa. So how do we change what suffering means to us? Right? Our brains right now tell us to avoid it at all costs for survival. Our brains tell us suffering is bad. Suffering is terrible. Nobody wants to suffer. That's the worst. So if we have to change the definition of suffering in our lives, then I thought about a person who has done just that. This person is David Goggins. If you know who David Goggins is, then you know where I'm going with this and you might get a little nervous. <laughs> so he's a retired Navy SEAL, also the only person to have Air Force tactical control training going through that program, also an Army Ranger, as well as the Navy SEAL. This guy's life story is incredible. His book is called Can't Hurt Me. It goes into detail of his story. And he was a kid who was physically abused by his dad, saw his mom get mercilessly abused as well. Um, there's a story of him jumping on the back of his dad when his dad was pulling his mom by the hair down the stairs. He was only seven years old and he thought he had to do something to save his mom. So he jumped on his back and then he was end up beat from his neck down to his ankles. And in the morning when his mom woke him up for school and uncovered him and saw the bruises, she, he just said, I saw her face. She was broken. She was just broken. Eventually, they moved to a town called Brazil, Indiana, 20 minutes away from KKK headquarters. He, he, they were a black family. And so she did end up escaping that. And they moved there. And he was bullied relentlessly, called the N-word. It was spray painted on his car. It was, I mean, it's just insane, terrible bullying. And he had a stutter when he was little. So he had to overcome that just out of stress. And finally, when he was 24, I skipped a lot, and he was an exterminator. He saw a commercial of the Navy SEALs and said that he could he felt he could do it and he felt a calling and a change and he found a recruiter who would work with him he was 106 pounds overweight he had to lose 106 pounds in like two and a half months and he did it he did it in in two months actually and then he went into navy seal training he ended up having to do hell week if you're familiar with hell week it's uh all week Maybe you'll get an hour of sleep and it's just conditioning in the ocean and insane conditioning for a full week. No sleep, being yelled at, <laughs> just, it's insane. And he ended up having to do that three times. He had uh, medical issues. He broke his knee. He had pneumonia. He was always trying to fake like he was fine, but they had doctors there. And so um, he had to repeat it starting back at the beginning each time. So on his third time, both of his shins actually had fractures up and down them. 
but for some reason they let him stay in. It was his last chance. They were not going to give him another chance, and he made it through. So this this person is insane. He's an insane warrior of pain, and he also is an ultra marathon runner, meaning he does those 100 miler races, even the 200 miler race. Um, one of the in which he did, and he broke all the bones in his feet, and he had 30 more miles to go, and he did it. He also had kidney failure. <laughs> so it's just the insane things that he learned through pushing through the pain, and what he learned along with that physical pain is really pushing through his mental past and pain and demons that he had to work through. So I've learned so much just by seeing witnessing, you know, and reading about his life, that that is kind of the kick in the pants that I needed to see how I could rise above and tackle the situation. And it's kind of fun to do it this way, because it puts it in a, like I said, like a tactical standpoint, kind of military standpoint, where you're looking at this, like, how can I gain advantage over the enemy and stuff? So just bear with me, because it's kind of a fun, different way to do it to where you feel like this master of your domain, completely in control, that you can do anything and you just need to push through that pain and learn to love it. The interesting thing about David Goggins is that through all this, he like does things that he knows will inflict pain. He says when he started the process of all this, that he would purposefully go out on a run when it was raining or snowing. When he saw everyone going in for comfort, he wanted to go out for experience because he didn't want to be ordinary. He wanted to be different. He wanted to rise above everyone. And to do that, he had to be comfortable, learn how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And so, oh, he's also the Guinness Book of World Records holder for the most amount of pull-ups in 24 hours. He did 4,030 in 17 hours. Okay, so this guy is defying the odds. And I've loved that. And it's changed me. That's what I've needed. So I'm going to give you some steps that I have not taken from him directly, but together we've come up with it, okay? <laughs> me and David Goggins. So number one, to gain the advantage in life, you've got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Purposefully do what you hate doing, then repeat it. So why? Why would you ever want to do this? Well, to me, it shows that when you're exercising that muscle and you're doing what you hate doing, the other stuff's going to get a lot more simple. It is. And when you're winning these small victories, when you're proving to yourself that you can do something hard, and maybe you try it at the beginning of the day so that once you head out for the day, you don't really have control over that. You don't really have control about what life will throw at you. So when you're winning the small victories before, it builds your confidence. I also encourage you to don't look at your phone till you've made some of these victories so that you can kind of have that in your tool belt to say, I can do this. 
I've done it. I've conquered it. It does something to you mentally where it gives you an advantage. So David Goggins says there is a 40% rule. Let me explain the 40% rule. This is where it gets very uncomfortable. He says that once you feel like you've hit a wall, you actually have only gone 40%, that you have 60% more to give. When I first heard that, I thought that was insane because (laughs) I was just thinking about running. So let's think about things that we hate to do with this step one. I don't like running. All right. I also don't like doing the dishes. I also, (laughs) I don't like cleaning out garages. I don't like tough confrontations. I don't know, but you know where I'm going. So think about the things that you don't like doing. So I'm thinking to give our mental toughness comparison, physical feats are really great to use because it shows you mind, the mind over matter. So when I'm running and I'm done, I'm like, I'm done. I think, what? I still have 60% more to give? No way. But it's true. You do. We have no idea what our potential is. We don't. And some people will never, ever, ever know because they're not willing to try. So you guys willing to try this with me? Try it. Go when your brain starts saying, and you know that brain will, because it knows you. It has an advantage of you over you. It knows all your weaknesses, and it will use them. It will say your knee hurts, your back hurts. You need rest. You deserve rest. Look how far you've already come. Now that's good, okay? <laughs> but use it and say, hey, look how far I've come. I bet I could go 60% more, all right? We don't even understand our capabilities because of how our brain works. So we've got to prove that brain wrong and shut it up. Okay, number two. Now bear with me on this one a little bit. Who are the bullies in your life? Let's think about it. Who are your bullies? Or we could word it differently. What are your challenges? Maybe they're not even people. What are your main challenges? Let's look at it for a second. So whether it's a bully or the enemy, (laughs) we could call it the enemy if I'm doing this in a military type form. What do we need to do with them? Well, we need to know them. Know them well. Stay two steps ahead of them. Now, if it's a literal bully, I love what Gary V says about bullies. He has a lot of content about bullies if you want to go look around. But his biggest theme with them is to feel sorry for them. Feel sorry. If someone is seriously bullying you, then there's something very, very wrong with them. There's something that happened in their lives. What if it's some, you know, social media post that they're bullying you from virtually? Gosh, feel sorry for them that they took the time, that they have the time to even care about what you said enough to make some snide comment. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. So in that aspect, if it is a bully, you really can feel sorry for them. But for me, it's like, I want to have advantage over whatever is my challenge. So sometimes that little, and I hate calling it an enemy, but the challenge is a cute little (laughs) one-year-old. So who's screaming and having a crazy day. Or someone, sometimes the challenge is an ex-husband or a custody arrangement, or, you know, so you want to have, 
that knowledge of them. You actually want to help them um, as they are successful. You are successful. But you also want to kind of stay two steps ahead of them. You want to get to know them so well that you can plan for things. You can foresee problems. You can know what to say. You kind of have that advantage over them because you've planned it. I hope this step makes sense. So what I'm saying is the enemy, so to speak, the challenge, a lot of times we we do feel bad for them, but we've got to know them and study them so we can know how to be on top of it, how we can plan, how we can stay two steps ahead of them. So I hope that makes some sense at all. Number three, this is tough, but you can do it. Go hard when you feel defeated. So what area do you feel you're falling behind in? I want you to think of that right now. Then you're going to crush it with excellence. Prove that to yourself. Let's say you're the single mom. You're working. You have kids who are like online school. You feel like you're doing it all. You feel like your mom and dad. And then you look around and your house has gone to crap. Like it's, you just say, I can't. I can't do it all. So what's the worst part of it? (laughs) Take where you feel like you're falling behind. If it's your house, tackle one thing at a time. Prove to yourself that you can. Prove it. Go and crush it. Be extra clean. Stay up late. Wake up early. Prove it to yourself. And then, gosh, it gives you just the greatest feeling to be like, I can do this. I can. And I'm doing it in spite of, you know, the odds of, of everything else. I'm the single mom. And I can do this. Lots of times we, we, there's a fallacy of doing it all. Or thinking that someone can do it all. Eh, that's not true. We're just doing one thing at a time. And a lot of times, what ends up happening is when we do one thing at a time, we look back and say, gosh, maybe I did do it all that day. But compartmentalize, okay? Look at what you feel like you're behind in and just crush it. If that means that it's, maybe you're in some course, your grades are starting to fall behind, get on top of it make A's, ask to do extra credit, do extra papers that aren't even assigned, like totally kill it. If it's work-related, spend extra time if you can, or do an extra project. Ask what needs to be done. Do more than what is required. Basically, in this step, we want to flip it on its head. We want to turn it. We want to turn the weakness into a strength, and the only way to do that is to truly take a big, hard look of where the weakness is and give it your all. Now, this is different than, you know, I don't want us to always focus on our weaknesses in business or what you're wanting to do. We're not too worried about those. But this is just in conquering the hard stuff. You can do it, but you've got to focus in, zero in, and go for it. Okay, number four is just to think about some stuff here, okay? I've got some points to ponder. So there's not much, they're not so much action steps, but even maybe mantras to implement. One thing is, all bad things end. 
they do. And it might be a long process. But when we know there's an ending, it will end. So think of what the ending is. Maybe it won't totally end for a long time, but there are different points to make it easier. Think of that. It helps you to push through. David Goggins was always thinking, this actually will end. When you're in the middle of a 20-mile run, you know that at some point it will end. When he's in hell week, in the middle of the ocean, by himself, which they shouldn't have done, but his instructor sent him out there, in freezing water, with pneumonia, with a broken knee, basically drowning, he knew that it would end. Eventually he would find the boat. Or eventually they would sit down and eat something. Eventually there is some sort of relief. So I really, really like that. Second point to ponder, the more you think about yourself when you're going through hell, the worse it is. The more you can think of others while you're going through hell, the easier it becomes because you take your thoughts off of yourself and how bad it is. Okay, we all know this, but that that actually takes practice. And that is more of an action step because we can start thinking of what other people need and, and then we can start doing it. Here's another point to ponder, and I really love this. Think about how you have overcome other obstacles in your past and everything you've been through to get you where you are. This can be used as fuel during your toughest moments, people. Think of what you did. What got you through? What qualities in yourself can you kind of bring out in that? So instead of indulging in that negative self-talk, the complaining, let others complain, right? So you can use the memory of what you've been through to stop the negative self-talk loop. But we've got to be cognizant of it. So we can actually take a very seemingly broken past. And this is what David Goggins was amazing at, his broken past. And he realized that through that past, it made him who he needed to be. It's, he realized all the abuse from his dad and the abuse from his peers, that it toughened him into who he needed to be and made him vulnerable in certain aspects to do what he needed to do. So there's these lessons that we can learn. It's so much for our development. So instead of trying to hide our past, something that was maybe embarrassing or hard, we put it under some rug, let's use it as fuel. Use your past and how you overcame it as fuel. It is part of you. You don't have to leave it behind. You can take it with you and use it as fuel. But if you're taking your past with you and using it to bring you down and telling yourself that you can't do it, maybe you feel like you didn't overcome it, start now to say, this is part of me. I can leave the circumstances behind, but who I am as an individual now, I bring with me and I'm overcoming it now if you feel like you want to leave that, you know. So I never thought about the past in that way. I always am present focused and future focused. But the obstacles that we've been through mean something. Our suffering means something. There we go again with that suffering. What does it mean? It 
doesn't have to mean something totally terrible and bad that we want to avoid. Of course, we probably don't want to experience the events from our past, but they have new meaning now. Let's find those meanings and use it as gas that we need to get us through these obstacles that feel too hard. I thought of Jack Canfield. He's a motivational speaker, famous author, and he talks a lot about the myths that people think that they are entitled to this great life, that somehow, somewhere, someone is responsible for filling your life with career opportunities and a blissful relationship, great kids, all the things that will work out. But you are the only one that can control your life experience. You are in com complete control of it. Nobody's coming to save you. You can't look around for anyone else that's going to make it better. You have to do something about it. You know, it's interesting that we're, when we're in the journey, when we're in that tough moment, and you can look back and think about it for a second, there's actually magic in it. <laughs> there's a lot of magic. Um, and that once you get to that destination, it kind of goes away. It's like, oh, well, I made it. That's great. <laughs> but think about the magic that is in the journey. And yes, everything has an end. And that will be magical too. <laughs> but find that strength. Know that there's a different meaning in our suffering. That it matters. That it's not just suffering to suffer. But it can help us find our potential it helps us find, it helps us have the perspective of what might have been hard seem easy. I always tell my piano students that when they get to the hard part, the difficult part in the piece, act like it's easy. Go over the notes slowly. Practice them. Don't avoid it. You don't want to have this beautiful piano piece that you have everything so perfectly but you don't have that tough, difficult part in the middle <laughs> that you didn't want to finish, that you didn't want to address, that you were scared of, you were fearful of. So you don't even have the full piece because you just weren't willing to go through the hard part. There's a magic in that hard part. And once you learn it and you've got the full picture, you feel so good about it. You realize you can do a lot more than you ever thought you could. And then on to the next song. I hope that made sense at all, and I hope you guys don't think I'm a, a drill sergeant, but if you needed the drill sergeant in your life today, I hope that it helped out, and I hope that you can go back and purposefully do the hard things, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, address the bullies in your life, address the enemy, or not so much the enemy, just the challenge, and get to know it, plan for it. Look at it and see how you can conquer it. And then when you feel defeated, you go even harder. Excellence is the solution. Sometimes in this third step, people won't like it. They don't like the, the goody two-shoes that's trying extra hard. Those people aren't your true friends then. <laughs> but just realize that that could be a result of doing that step going super hard with that. Trying for excellence 
it's interesting that some people don't like it. And then remember the points to ponder were all bad things end. The more you think about yourself when you're going through something hard, the worse it is. So reach out to others. And then remember that overcoming obstacles in your past has a meaning. Find what you learned from it and use it as fuel to be part of you for your toughest moments. All right. Oh, everybody, we can do this. We can do it together. I would love to coach you if you need that extra help, strategies. I'm here for you. Just email me, coachemilysanchez at gmail.com. All right, guys, make it what you want. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.